All right, welcome back for another interview episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I'm really excited. I have Jules Dan on the line, and Jules has a lot to teach us about copywriting, AI, all that stuff. And I'll get to the value in just a minute. I'll get we'll get to his background, but Jules, welcome. And let's start with results. You've engineered ChatGPT to crank out email campaigns in less than an afternoon that are actually in your or your client's voice and that actually work. Uh, so what kind of results can these campaigns get? One of the clients who implemented this, we had before this, they were giving me probably like a ED grade copy. I'm like, go try this. And I'm like, okay, change this hook, like little iterations on the third iteration. They went from doing $50 lead on Facebook ad leads, which is not good for their industry. And then they were getting $19 leads and they had 600 in that month. Whew. All right. So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, cut down, cut down the uh, cost per lead and have a significant source of leads to turn into. Problems. Yes. Yeah. So the prop, so this was the issue as well. Uh, kind of a good problem as well, where they, they put the cup before the horse is like, they got all these leads and then like, what do I do with them? Um, and then they didn't really have a system in place to, to fix that up. So that was the funny part. Most people complain, I don't have enough leads. They're like, I don't know what to do with this many leads. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, one of the better problems to have. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jules, uh, time for your bio. Uh, Jules Dan is mm -hmm. an email list master and profit extractor from down under. He wrote on a koala just to get here on time. And he might be the most sarcastic big daily email writer out there. And even with concerning talks between his high school teachers and his parents, such as we repeat an example two to three times with other students, but with Julian, we have to show him 10. Somehow yep. he's managed to suck out $15 million in sales for his clients using email. And now he's at war with AI to help entrepreneurs and copywriters make more money and less writing time while sounding personable, unique, and profitable with every prompt. So Jules, uh, we'll, we'll get into the whole AI and chat GPT in a minute. Sure uh, let's go back in sure. time. Uh, you used time. to be, you used to be a broke gym instructor and now you're a successful freelance copywriter. What's, what's that story? I was so broke that the credit card companies wouldn't let me apply. <laughs> Ouch. I was below the threshold and they accept everyone normally. Um, yeah. so it was interesting. I've always been a bit stubborn in terms of wanting to do my own thing, but what really changed things was COVID hit. Uh, I was a gym instructor for like six years and they basically said, you can't come back into work. So what happened was that I kind of liked writing. I'd done some Facebook ads on the side as like a side hustle. I was interested in making money online, but didn't really understand that the skill was writing and copy. I was just sort of winging it. And when I was thrown into, okay, you don't have, you don't have work. I went on Upwork, writing emails for five bucks an hour, down at the very bottom, yeah. just getting testimonials. And I was listening to this one podcast uh, by this copywriter in Australia. His name is Pete Godfrey. And I would listen to the episode. I would then apply the lesson and then I'd get a result. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I got to a point where one client on Upwork wanted to do regular emails. And it was about a month or so after I was made redundant, the government was giving a... Uh, like a redundancy package to keep you alive because you couldn't work. And I took yeah. that redundancy package and I messaged Pete and I said, look at this result I got because of your podcast. Um, 
I know, I know you were talking about one-on-one apprenticeships and they stopped, but would you take me on as one of your apprentices? And he said, yes. And I worked with him one-on-one for about two years. And it was always get the brief, go talk with Pete about the ideas, uh, go write the copy. He'd tell me it's terrible like three times and then give me lots of feedback, give it to the client and I'd get a really good result. And I'm like, great, let me use this testimonial to then fetch the next client. And then the same process would happen again, Roy. I would then go to P and like, what do I do? I've never ridden a VSL before. Help me. And he's like, okay, calm down. (laughs) We can work this out. Um, And then like go through this process. Same thing. This is terrible. This is terrible. And I would just learn so much in the process. It was great because he was a good teacher where he would not sugarcoat. He would just tell me how it is. And he would very rarely give me praise. But when I earned it, he gave it to me. So um, it was a good relationship. that was sort of like building the portfolio, but then how did I actually turn around like the financial part? Uh, that was also, that took me nearly, nearly three years, Roy, um, okay. to do, to figure this out. Um, I was doing project to project as a copywriter until I realized that's a backwards way of doing it. And I knew I could give more value by doing a retainer base and I'll try to figure out how to do this. And I told you this story. The day that really changed my life was when a family member came to town as at the dinner table. And I just posted on Facebook doing a million a month in a Facebook ad funnel. But they were like, well, why aren't you that rich? <laughs> so yeah. I was like, uh, that's a really good point. So then I looked, <laughs> back at, I looked back at all the clients who did really well and they had a super responsive list. And the reason why they had a super responsive list was because they had a relationship with the list. And I thought, okay, well, how do I double down on the relationship building part? And then I realized there's a, there's a thing for that. It's a list yeah. manager, email list management. And a lot of business owners, unless they're really attached to writing daily emails themselves, uh, it's a massive headache. They don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, they know it's important, but it just sort of gets pushed to the side. And when they do use it, it's like a sporadic, uh, I work with it, like an, uh, like oh we need money let's go send let's go send an email to the list and then yeah, like yeah. burn it to the ground after a few more times and um the smart ones know that they got to nurture it so i found those the clients and then turned things around had a few retainer clients took had more confidence to charge a commission on results um so that that's the uh point a to point b story okay okay so it sounds like um it sounds like along the way you recognize that the relationship with a list was was kind of this essential component that made the difference between what was going to be a successful client and what wasn't. And so that's what pulled you specifically to doing so much with email. So fo- being mm-hmm. so focused on email. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, for example, um, it's crazy how much con- like if someone so I work with clients who only do cold ads and I do work with clients who only do content and the clients who only do content, it, even if their marketing is so-so, it's so easy to sell to them because the trust is there and the relationship is there. Um, on the flip side, if they only do cold ads, it takes like 60, 90 days to, to see any sort of results on someone who's not ready to make a purchasing decision like right then and there after the ad. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like the ideal would be feed the system with the cold ads and then build the relationship through time, right? <laughs> exactly exactly um okay so 
Uh, I want to transition to the whole AI thing, right? So mm-hmm. like a lot of copywriters, I'm, I imagine you were like pretty shocked when ChatGPT came out and suddenly- Oh yeah, I was scared. Yeah, we're looking at like, oh, um, okay, this isn't great copy, right? But this is at least okay copy. And um, and since then it went from like 3.0, I think when it came out, maybe it was 3.5 when ChatGPT came mm-hmm. out to 4.0. And they keep they keep doing new versions all the time that are like micro versions, right? That's right. Um, but but like what what was your initial reaction to Chat GPT? Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, I I was frankly I knew it would be I couldn't ignore it, and so yeah. instead of just instead of just being like I'm going to be the person who who champions human only copy, like that's kind of silly because this is it had like over a million downloads. And I don't know how long it was. It was very quick. I'm like, okay, this is a strong trend. Let's lean yeah. into it. I bought pretty much every single ad that advertised a course in ChatGPT. I bought, I think, a four or five different products, spent a few thousand because I just wanted to understand. Some were pretty bad. Some were good. And I, the best way I work is in solitary confinement, basically. Like I went down to the beach, um, no distractions. I uh, was like walking around the house, like muttering to myself, testing different stuff just to see what was good and bad. Um, and it, it, I, at the start, I agree with you, Roy. Like the first time you tried it, was were you like, this is terrible? Like this doesn't even look good? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was kind of like this, this weird middle zone because uh, w- w- when I tried it, I thought, you know, this is really, it's really good for what it is, right? But um, I have this, I wrote this article a long time ago about peer reviews and copywriting. And I don't know how many, like you worked with with Pete, right? And and mm-hmm. you had like the review of a mentor, which is a yeah. little bit different than this peer review process where you're in a room with like five people maybe who who might be copywriting peers, right? And I, I, I talked about it having this like... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept from statistics called reversion to the mean, where um, no, it, me. it, reversion to the mean is like pulling things towards average, right? Mm-hmm. And so a peer review has a reversion to the mean effect, which means that if you're like using the letters that people use all the time, A, B, C, D, right? Uh, if you're like a D level copywriter and the average copywriter in that room is a B, right? It's going to pull your D-level copy up to B-level copy. And so peer reviews can be really good for that. But there's also the potential that that outlier copy that's like complete A-list and it's A-list because it breaks all the rules, but it does it in a way that's going to get people's attention. That's going to pull them in like a compelling way. The reversion to the mean effect in the peer review is going to pull that A-list copy back to B-level copy, right? Back to generic. And I felt like immediately like all the c and d level copy especially shorter copy like articles and stuff was like you can replace that with chat gpt yeah. right you you're yeah. gonna have to fact check it but but you you can replace it but also at the same time i was like there's no way like this is not i i i have i have consistently wanted to like sit down and have it just crank out a vsl and um it does not um you know, I think, I think you can start to get there, but, um, my, my first reaction was like, wow, a lot of copywriters are suddenly out of work, but some are still doing okay for right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's good at swiping and it's good at modeling. Like yeah. if you know how to find good copy and you know how to like change a unique mechanism or you know how to change a lead and give it some robot speak. So it's like change this block for this block. Um, yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, and we can get into that if you like. But um, yeah, man, like get it. good luck getting it to write a compelling sales letter that's new or different. And here's the thing as well. Maybe you've noticed it. I've started to see this in my Instagram feed. It's like yeah. unleash the power of or like discover the secret <laughs> of. I'm like, this is written by ChatGPT and it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 yeah, I tried to get it to rewrite something in like a more interesting way the other day. And I was like, oh, it's just adding hyperbole. Like it's just adding. So, so like there's, mm-hmm. there's, it's easy to go wrong, I think, with chat GPT, but sure. you've also, you've also figured it out. You've also figured out how to do, how to master like these, these four hour GPT cash campaigns. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, one thing that I do find is that once you really understand the how to give the tool, it's like uh, garbage in, garbage out, which is an old programming phrase or whatever, truism, um, that like if we're just giving it the tiniest little morsel to go off of, it's going to give us junk back, right? But if we're giving it really quality input, it's going to be able to give us pretty quality input uh, output. So. Um, talk to me about what these four hour GPT cash campaigns are and how you're getting good output from chat GPT. Yeah. Okay. So there's three principles I like to go through. One is cloning the voice two, steering the AI back in course. And three is using quality data. that's proven to convert. Okay. Okay. So voice course and uh data so let's 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 dive into each of these principles here so yeah. uh, talk to me about cloning the voice talk to me about like um because that's that's the other thing is these are like these are large language models and they're designed to essentially create an average of the discussion about a particular topic right yeah, yeah. um which is not a unique voice so speak to me how you turn average into a unique voice that matches. Okay. So there's the common route that a lot of people know, which is a concept. So can you write like John Carlton? Can you write like Gary Halbert? Can you write like Gary Bensavega? And it might give you some sort of output like that. But what if they're not your style? Uh, You know, what if you like, what if you like to be um, more soft-spoken or what if you want to be more, political or something okay so this is when you would have to find copy to clone and okay this is so the way i would do it is by you find like say like an ad that you like or previous writing styles maybe it's just like an email but you liked the tone of voice so that's why it's always good to have a gigantic swap file with lots of different people's voices whether it's like it could be an Amy Porterfield. It could be your voice, but you have like a different variation. And yeah. Then I'll well, like, I mean, for example, so- I I have like well over two million, maybe three million words of copy going back to 2014. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> t- tied to to breakthrough marketing secrets and my own publishing, and so um, having that, it, obviously, I don't want to feed it 
I don't need to feed it all 2 million words, but um, if you're looking to clone your voice, any kind of pass writing that you have is going to be useful for this. Yeah. Yeah. So I've experimented with this as well, and it's not foolproof, but the more yeah. you give it, the better. And so I've tried interviews, uh, like I normally interview my clients to suck out their stories and stuff like that. And because you know, ChatGPT is quite limited with number of characters and give you, you have to go, here's part one, here's part two, here's yeah. part three. <laughs> um, but what I did was, especially if it's in your voice, this is what I've just done. I'll read you the prompt out loud. So analyze the following text for style and tone of voice, apply that exact style and tone of voice to all your future responses. This person's name is Troy. I want you to remember Troy like a file you can pull out of a filing cabinet. And so this basically, I would then feed it the email. And with the reason why I said Troy and I, the reason why I said apply that exact style of tone of voice for all your future responses is because it goes into the, the second principle, which is like steer it back on course because it's going to make mistakes. Um, yeah. And it's literally going to give you words in this next line, which is Troy's writing style is conversational, casual, casual and personal. He shares his own experiences and reflections, which creates a genuine and relatable tone. So if I can, I can relate back to Troy and steer about like, what happened to writing like Troy? I'm like, what happened to writing like Troy style, which is conversational, casual and personal? It then course corrects it. And again, this isn't 100%, but it's better than... Uh, you know, the typical lead I might see from ChatGPT is like, are you struggling with this? Like question, question, question. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So um, that really speaks to, to um, like being able to give it the, a substantial amount of specifics around what you want it to do. And in all of my experience with it, like, uh, I, I I've thought of it as, as being like a junior copywriter. And mm -hmm. if, if you think of what it was like when you were um, an annoying little junior copywriter to Pete exactly. and he's trying to mentor you and like, if he were, <laughs> you know, I, I got to pick on you like that, but um, mm -hmm. he's trying to mentor you and he's like, uh, just, just write a VSL, right? Just, just go write a VSL. And you're like, I don't know how to write a VSL. Right. Like the client's telling me to write a VSL. You're telling me yeah. to write a VSL, but I don't know how to write a VSL. Exactly. Um, it, versus if he said um, something like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to write a video sales letter. Uh, we're just, we're just going to focus right now on the opening, right? We're going to, we're mm -hmm. going to focus on the lead and we're going to find the story of somebody who has been actually, um, in one of my research programs and then in one of my episodes, Break the Marketing Secrets, mm -hmm. um, I had found that there was like a really, uh, a really, really like high selling product on bladder leakage on an affiliate site. Right. And yeah. so I said, like, give me a real world, emotional, three-dimensional experience story of somebody who's going through this problem. And I gave it all yep. this detail of what I wanted. Right. And it wrote something and I was like, oh my God. Like if I'm in the audience, this is, this is going to resonate with me in like a hardcore way. Right. So if I was very specific with you as, as a junior copywriter, and I said, Hey, I, I need a story like about this experience. It needs to be an emotional story. It needs to be like an actual like scene from a movie. Like we could film this scene. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the introduction. 
to the video sales letter. And for now, let's just focus on that. And it should be in this style. And I'm giving it this specific like uh, tonal qualities that it's fed me as far as the analysis, right? Going back to Troy's style, casual, friendly, conversational, like <laughs> all of those things. Um, then as the junior copywriter, you can give me that much easier, right? Because you're like, I know what. Um, and so then if I need to steer you back on course going to step number two, I can say, wait a second, what about this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can use that stuff to steer you back. So I'm in complete agreement with you. Now talk to me about the, the data portion principle number three. Yeah. Okay. So just like I would write with clients, like a promotional email or a value-based email or an email that pushes to a piece of content, it, I found out by making mistakes that you don't just give them content, like just email after email, like there's specific types of content, right? Okay. So if you're writing an ad and, you, and you're analyzing the, st- tile, the style of voice, yes. it wouldn't make sense to give them content related to um, like pushing them to a podcast because it's, okay. like, it's not necessarily like sales copy. So what you can do though is that, uh, Here's the prompt I give it then to like give it pro- when I say convert, sometimes a conversion might be just to click and watch the video, but other times yeah. it might be to click on a sales page. So like, all right, I'm going to give you some value-based emails written by Troy. By Tro- uh, uh, the purpose of these emails is to help uh, email subscribers overcome some limiting beliefs they have that stop them from investing in Troy's coaching program, name of the program. These value-based emails do not ever sell, blah, 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 blah. I got like a bit of a longer prompt. Like, can you analyze these for me? I will give you several. And the reason why I do this, I'm like, okay, at the end of like giving it data, these are value, these are value. Then I'm like, these are going to be promotional style emails. Like, okay, okay, okay. This is a style of ad that Troy would also write in his voice. And then you would like give it the data, give it the data. And when yes. I say proven to convert, like hopefully... You can either have a good eye for yourself for like other marketers to see if it would convert. Otherwise, you could look at yourself and look at yeah. your data. Um, but yeah, in a high level overview, that's what I mean by quality data for you to convert. Okay, excellent. So, um, so you're taking you're taking the proven copy here, and you're saying when I want something that is a just a, a promo email, this is what an ideal promo email looks like. Can you write me a version like that? Um, so, so where does the like uh, four hour cash component yeah. come into this? Talk to me about, talk to me about that a little bit. Right. So it came out of frustration from, so I was working with a client who helped scale agencies and part of their offer was um, getting paid to close, which I think you've been talking about as well on your podcast. Yes. Um, but the big problem was that how do you get paid to close if you don't have leads? And like most people don't really know how to generate a lead. And then there was a Facebook component. And then I sort of created the offer so I could work for the client being like, hey, so your clients need help generating leads. Like maybe I could be the person who helps review them. And they're like, yeah, sure. Okay. That, sounds like a, that sounds like a great idea. Okay. But then next minute, I didn't, this is the first time I've been critiquing copy and teaching copy. Um, and I got, it was a bit of a, a shock because it's like, where do you start when you're given really not good copy and people aren't trained in the principles and they have 
no idea what what's what to do. Like you've been in that situation you, before. You, right? like, you start by you biting your tongue. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it's yeah, and it wasn't just like one person. It was the next person, and the next person, and the next person. I'm like, I really feel like I'm repeating myself here a lot. So okay. why don't I come up with something that then helps get like a B ish level with the Facebook ad? And then why yeah. don't I come up with something that comes up with a you know, B-ish level for the follow-up emails, which is what normally what might happen after a Facebook lead ad. And for sure, like four hours, what I had the way I came up with it was normally what for for me to come up with an idea would be to go sit down with a client, extract all the pain points, and then figure out which is the most pain point, find the stories, uh, and then, you know, then maybe come up with a different ad hooks for that, then do the follow-up emails. And doing that alone would take forever, like at least a week. But yeah. if I could go to, if I could just be like, okay, so what market are you in? Oh, you're a financial advisor. Uh, Chat to me too. What are the top 10 daily frustrations that a financial advisor might have? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, compliance is a big issue. Okay, cool. Um, can you write me a first-person diary entry of someone who's having compliance problems as a financial advisor and make sure you follow the AIDI writing formula, ADA, and, and then be like, give me a thing here. So then I was like, oh, let me refine this a bit further. Those could be the emails. Might have to give them some data for the Facebook part because they've never actually written a Facebook ad. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's how we sort of shrunk it down. Okay, so it's, it's basically a series of prompts that are designed to, um, go from knowing almost nothing about the client, about the market, about the whatever, because you were kind of forced into that situation mm -hmm. in the context of, of all of these diverse marketers and to very quickly identify how, um, how to speak to, and then come up with draft copy, at least for what to say for these different contexts, for these different, uh, formats. And so you you can crank out a campaign in an afternoon, essentially, right? Right, right. But here's a kicker though, uh, Roy. It's like, I would be lying if I said you pressed a button and you had a campaign. That's not how it works. It's like, I like yes. to think of it as uh, you pick up a Lego piece out of like a, a jumble of the pieces you don't really need, but you find the one yellow block that you do need. And then might have to rewrite the prompt and go to the next prompt like, but could you next time, could you like, like, like with the Troy thing, like I told you that Troy's writing style is conversational and casual and personal this time, can you sort of, and you see what I'm saying? And then you might get the next morsel. So it does take some copy prowess to piece it together. Um, four well, hours is, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's a lot like the, that's a like, a lot like working with the junior copywriter where, yeah. um, where, I mean, even even after you've given someone very good guidance and very good direction, uh, you end up at the at the end of the day often as the copy chief on that. Um, if you are ultimately responsible for the output, and I'm speaking from experience here, oftentimes having to make your own edits in the end, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what what you've shortcutted is like four weeks of research and planning and getting completely distracted on the internet when you went to look for uh you know forum posts about whatever thing <laughs> and then exactly. um drafting things and throwing out your own drafts 
and having the uh, emotional crisis associated with feeling like a failure as a copywriter. <laughs> um, and, and then finally finding something good in your initial draft and then actually using that as inspiration to write the rest. Well, suddenly you compress all of that into like a four hour chat with you or four hour chat with ChatGPT and you can be angry at ChatGPT and tell it that it's a terrible copywriter and you're good and you can at least just correct it and and have it ready to go. Exactly. So I'm with, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I think, um, I, I like that it is a realistic approach to what ChatGPT can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so copywriters, it's not going to take your job just yet. If you're good, you can speak <laughs> things up. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, these, uh, the, the four-hour GPT cash campaigns, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. a, co- a copywriter can use this, uh, use this framework for themselves. Who, like what types of clients does this work well for, um, mm-hmm. a- as well as people who would want to take this and apply it who are more in an entrepreneurial capacity but writing copy for the for their own business who's going to benefit from from this approach right so the people so i critiqued over 100 ads and okay. like did 100 did 100 people write it no um so did 100 people run it like no yeah uh, so yeah. i ran these for service based digital agency owners so people who sell their time for a service Uh, whether as like web design or e-commerce ads or email marketing. Uh, What else do we have? Uh, There was no coaching. It was all service-based digital businesses that we ran for this. So I haven't tested with copywriting. I haven't tested with high-ticket coaching. Um, But for service-based businesses, this worked pretty well. Yeah. Well, arguably coaching and copywriting are high-ticket service-based businesses. Uh, you probably just need to adapt a little bit. And if you if you know your market enough to identify it in a way where ChatGPT can respond to it, I think that probably the principles of what you teach based on what I've based on what I've experienced of it are gonna apply pretty broadly. Yeah, yeah. And I would underscore as well, um, like you're asking like, who would this work for? Uh, a lot of it comes down to finding ad copy that you like, because it would be terrible if you found ad copy to model, or at least a tone of voice that you didn't like, mm. and it didn't wasn't authentic with your brand. And then you might get the wrong people on the phone. Um, and yeah. it's not really relevant to your question, but I remember some people picked the example I gave for the the, the sample copy and they're like, I actually, I don't like this. I'm like, well, <laughs> if you could be looked for someone, you might like, no, how do I do that? Well, there's this thing called Facebook ads library and uh, yeah. we can start from there. Yeah, yeah. Who do you follow that you actually like their ads? <laughs> it's a good okay. start. Um, Are you asking yeah. me? Oh, no, I was I was, I was, was uh, asking the kind of question that you would ask in, in a scenario like that. Um, exactly. I mean, uh, you seemed really ready to answer that question. So let's let's roll with that. <laughs> Uh, okay. Follow, you really like their ads. Uh, recently, I've seen. Do you know Sabri Zubi? He's also an Aussie. Yeah. He yeah. he uses humor. It's it can be dangerous to use humor in ads if you don't use it well. But he seemed to have nailed his new campaign. It's like he's he's in front of this person's at like a, an altar, and he's crying because 
his marketing budget has been like sacrificed or something like that. Um, yeah, I think the, that I've seen this ad. Yeah. It, it's a new spin on their book. Um, I won't promote the book because uh, <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, fair enough. They, they, use a, they use very in video and in text, they use humor quite well. And humor is hard to do in ads, especially when they're cold. So if you're looking for something with humor to swipe, he'd be someone to look at. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so you had talked about these three different types of email, and it sounds like these came out of your work as an email cap writer mm-hmm. before ChatGPT, mm-hmm. but also they have continued to carry through to ChatGPT. Um, and, you know, in your notes, you talked about three types of email. Um, I believe you're talking about the promo, the value, and the content emails. Uh, can we go deeper into what those are and maybe how they could be recognized or how they look different um, if somebody is looking to build a library of those? Yeah. Uh, sorry, as you were saying that, I was just looking at the three types of emails I've got. Could you ask a question again? <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I don't know that it's going to be exactly the same because it was off the top of my head. But yeah, what what I'm looking for is like, what are the core principles? What are the what are the um, what are the approaches to writing those? How do, how do I differentiate them? How do they look different from each other? Um, and maybe what's the context in which they get used? That feels like a Jay Abraham question with the 38 angles I'm approaching it from. <laughs> Okay, so it's like, what are the principles for each email that, I, that I'm trying to write? Yeah, well, they, tell, tell, just tell me more. Just tell me more about the promo, the value, and the content emails. Okay, so well, maybe I can break it down with an example. So typically, um, I don't want to sell an like because you would see a list as uh, an emotional bank account, right? You can't withdraw every single day. You have to put some in there. I know Ben Settle says sell every single day. But yeah. Ben Settle has set up his list very differently so that he does, he can sell every single day. Not And if you just decide to do Ben Settle style, then you might burn the list. Um, but for the most part, when I walk into a client's list, it's like, yeah, we've been sending once or twice a week. I'm like, okay, let's try and get that up to like five or six or seven. Um, and let's try and intertwine the personality of the business owner. But let's also try and get calls as well. So I'll just do, I'll do like an emotional, like value-based bonding one. Typically, what I'll find is like a misconception, uh, an objection, a hang-up, uh, some sort of false belief that the market would have. And in this email, I wouldn't be necessarily selling. I'd be like, the time that Troy uh, was broke, and this is an example, like no pitch, but it was just a story of like, I, if, you, if you're struggling, I read this right now. I think that was the subject line. And it was a quick story of him he was 28. He was living in an apartment. He was almost running out of money. He was like being a bit of a degenerate, um, but he was also selling uh, hair salon point of service systems. And then when he really needed money out of nowhere, the person called him saying, hey, you've just made a sale. Come pick up your check. It was like 1500 bucks for him as a lot at the time. And that was when you realized that sales was the key to getting him out of whatever he needed. And so I will do these little like belief shifter value-based emails more than I would sell during the week. I would probably okay. I would probably sell two or three times. And with the selling ones, the principle is a bit different. I would just use proof because you need proof. Like here's this person, they had this problem. It's a bit more finesse than that. Um, and they had this hang up. 
Um, here's, a, here's a voice note of them leaving a recording. Here's a, a video testimonial. Here's me doing an interview. And I'll just like mix and match that. Um, and then the final sort of like type of email that I love doing is a reply-based email. And you can get, so you can like morph the two together. So you can either do a value-based approach where you say like, I watched this movie and like you make it strategic. You don't just say, I watched this movie for the sake of it. But the principles for this is that you're one, sending good like sender score signals to your email service provider. You're building a one-on-one -on -one relationship with someone who's on the list. Sometimes we get love letters like this long explaining why they love this movie. And then you reply back and you give like a really detailed response and people absolutely love that. But then there's also a reply-based email like, hey, we've got 10 spots left for this month. Give a genuine reason why. Um, yeah. Would you be interested? In and it's like a super short one. People reply and you get heaps of responses. Uh, I, I hope I answered your question, but like those are my typical three types of emails that I'll always fall back on. Okay, so there's there's the there's the um, hangups and misconceptions. Yeah. There's the uh, creating a reply, and there is the yeah. promotion, like direct. Hey, um, this problem we solve it. Here we go. Let's let's Here's do a, this. Social proof. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. What kind um, of emails do you write to? You? I'm sorry, I haven't really been onto your list reading as much, but when you write emails to your list, because it might everyone's a bit different. Uh, and behind the scenes, when you're pulling the strings, it looks way different than when on the surface. So I'm interested. What's your philosophy, Roy? Well, so I run my list a little bit, a little bit differently than a lot of even my clients would run their lists. Um, I write, I, I do a lot of content um, mm -hmm. and I do minimal promotion of my content. There, there's usually some kind of related training or CTA at the end because I have over 200 hours of training in my training library that you can sign up for. Yeah. Um, so, so most of my emails to my list are, Hey, you know, I created this new content. It's going to be really interesting to you because of X, Y, Z, go check it out. And it's a uh, link to YouTube video also mm -hmm. available podcasts, whatever. Um, but then I run at least once a month, I run these uh, product of the month campaigns that are very focused on, Hey, this is, um, you know, it's, it's focused on a short-term deal. I basically peel a, um, an individual piece of training out of the training library and make it available for a limited time. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's this, this, uh, ebb and flow of mostly content with a little tiny bit of promotion, uh, and the mm -hmm. occasional, like very focused promotion on a, essentially a sale that I'm running. Oh, cool. Um, and, I'm interested. Sorry, continue. Oh, uh, I mean, a big difference is is uh, with with clients. Oftentimes, there's there's kind of that. I, I've done a lot of work in the financial publishing industry, and there's often, yep. you know, you get on this list, and somebody might write you one or two essays a week, and you might be on multiple within a single publisher, mm -hmm. but then the publisher also runs these um, sequenced campaigns, and it's it's I guess it's a very similar. Yeah, it's a very similar model. Yeah. Yeah. But the reason why I asked is because um, I think for a while I personally was battling. I'm like, here's Ben Settle who says pitch every single day. And then there's Andre Chaperon who's like, don't pitch, only ask for permission before you sort of send them down that cycle. And I was interested to hear your perspective 
because there is no right answer, right? It, no, there's just, not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I find that, I don't know, the personality-based brands, um, I would say oftentimes I have ended up coaching email copywriters who write for clients away from trying to write like Ben Settle. And it's not that I disagree with Ben Settle or I'm saying mm-hmm. this stuff doesn't work. It definitely works for him, right? Um, but like you said earlier, and apparently this is pick on Ben, if you just try to mimic Ben, you're not necessarily going to um, yeah, succeed, succeed, right? Uh, you have to find your own style, your own approach, your own voice. And whether you then try to replicate that voice with ChatGPT or uh, or just do it raw for now, um, that's that's uh, uh, it, your success is largely going to come from your unique voice and perspective and character in the marketplace that um, people exactly. become attracted to. Exactly. And both work. Yeah. I've, I've worked with clients who wanted the more direct emails and I've had clients who, who didn't, or a YouTuber and they didn't want to sell and I followed Andre Chaperone's style and that worked really well because he built a relationship yeah. with them and they put their hand up. So, um, well, one of the things like following that Andre Chaperone style and uh, a friend and client of mine is Perry Marshall. Yeah. Uh, oh, he, yeah, teaches, cool. he teaches this like email spiderweb thing where, you know, he's, he's doing a lot of content, but then he will do, he'll do behavioral triggers for different autoresponder campaigns. And so um, you might get some email from him that's like, an article about 8020 or like a perspective on 8020 mm-hmm. sales and marketing and there could be a a call to action at the end and this is going to be vague and generic cuz i'm not thinking off the top of my head about like what the promise would be of this but like um did you know 8020 also works for time management uh click here if you want to know more mm-hmm. um and and i'll automatically send you your first email about 8020 for time management and you like click it or I don't even know if he says I'll automatically send you your first email about it, but um, you click it, it goes to like an article about 8020. You know, within 30 minutes, you have some kind of follow up email about that, but you got put on a new autoresponder list based on that. And when you're doing that behaviorally triggered, essentially what you're doing is you're getting permission from that person through engagement to give them more about a topic that they're already interested in. I like that. and it's it's been very effective for Perry. He also uses like some fun stuff like the Fibonacci sequence of like one, one, two, three, five, where you're yes. At, I use that for cold email. That works. <laughs> uh, he uses that for for uh, scheduling these follow ups so that people are way less likely to get like ten emails arriving on one day, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and so if if you sequence it out, maybe the first five emails in the sequence are really selling something. And then there's just a few more follow-up that are much more gentle uh, pitches or that are more focused on value or things like that. Um, you, you still use it to to, uh, to schedule the engagement so that people don't get overwhelmed. Right. Have you tested any of those before? Are you more like, like just keep it simple? I've, I've done some of the behavioral stuff. Um, it's, um, my ADHD sometimes prevents me from implementing those the best that, uh, I, I could implement them. Um, and, and the, the sheer quantity that I do of these daily episodes, um, yeah, is, is sometimes uh, leaves me feeling like 
I need to focus on something else besides just making more emails for my list, um, especially like client work and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I have one question that I wanted to make sure that I fit in before the end here, um, because there's this there's this push and pull right now. And, you know, sometimes sometimes I feel like a Luddite where I, I, I like want to reject the the Luddites was actually like this this uh, social movement of these people that were smashing. Um, I think they were uh, mills like mill milling machines. Um, I might be a little bit wrong there, but it was people that actually smashed new technology because they believed it was stealing their jobs. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and so it's become this term for people who try to reject new technology. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you see ChatGPT and other AI writing tools going, going specifically for copywriters and marketers? What are the dangers? What are the opportunities? And if somebody wants to be a Luddite and fight it right now, what do you see happening to them versus those who embrace it? Uh, unfortunately, I personally think within a couple of years, it's going to move very quickly. And everyone who's not very skilled at marketing at the full funnel from acquisition all the way to ascension, like, yeah, going to be a disadvantage at other people who leverage this tool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's um, not necessarily, it's going to help me write every single thing, but it's going to speed things up. And if I can yeah. speed things up and work twice as fast as you, well, that's a significant it's, advantage. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about the full funnel there too, because like one of the things right now that's going on is that AI is extremely limited in, okay, maybe you could actually get it. You could you could do a lot of programming on the back end to get it to, to just basically crank out a funnel for you. And at some mm-hmm. point that's probably going to happen. But still, there's this level of strategy and like, oh, yeah, um, being the person who controls the strings of the puppet, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's going on. And so you're saying like the elevation to, of perspective to full funnel to understanding that is going to be essential. And then ChatGPT becomes a tool to do some of the work that you copywriters would have done before. Right, exactly. So, so the way I've thought about it is like, is this going to come replace me? Well, what would happen if someone w- were to believe, type, give me a marketing strategy and they ask for a full funnel? But it's like, what happens if it bombs? How do you know what a good alternative is? Like, how do you troubleshoot? Um, if you ask it for split tests, it's like, well, what if both are bad? Like, how do you actually know if they're any good? And so uh, I'm spending a lot of my time going back to fundamentals and definitely upskilling more in like the full funnel. And the part that I've been lacking in has been like, in say like product consumption or like making the product good so that people want to refer you because a lot of people just think about acquisition acquisition but um think like focusing on every single part of that full funnel and then like upskilling that so you don't get left behind and then saying like i can be the person who makes things go faster and leverage this tool that's my strategy um but if you're just going to go in there and offer five dollar an hour emails on fiverr or something like you probably get replaced <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, with that, um, let's let's talk about how you can head, how you can kind of uh, well for folks that have been interested in how to kind of level up their thinking and their use of the tool. Folks mm-hmm. who are interested in the four hour GPT cash campaigns. Yep. Um, you put together a free course stripped out over email um, right. on the four hour GPT cash campaigns. Can you explain to me? Um, what's in that course for people who sign up 
uh, at the at the link in the description. Right. So over four days, I want to make it, like I said, easy to consume so you can take it step by step. And I just want to show you prompt by prompt how you can clone yourself, those three principles, clone yourself, screw back, give it proven quality data to convert. And I give you, I actually give you the proven data that's quality to convert as well. I give you different voices. So if you want to be someone's more gentle, more aggressive or someone in between, I give you all the data that's there. Um, and pretty much I've gone through all the frustration of like, okay, I've written this prompt. This isn't right. I've gone through this prompt, written this right. And it also help explain like just the principles behind it. So uh, if you're interested, it's julesdan.com forward slash GPT gift, I believe. Is that is that the- Yeah, that's, that's the one that I have. And that link's in the description. So you don't even need to like memorize it or write it down or anything. You just need to open up the description of this episode and click on that. And that will take you to the right page. And um, yeah, with that, Jules, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Roy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, everyone, on your show. I, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, happy implementing ChatGPT, everyone. Yeah. I, and I, when you say implementing there, it goes all the way back to the beginning. And one of the things I really appreciate about you and what you've shared through example here is that you can succeed fast when you take something and you find opportunities to implement. And that's something you did from the very beginning with uh, the podcast episodes. You'd listen to an episode, you'd implement it, and you would get a result. And that's why at the end of every episode, I always ask people like, how can you use this, right? How can you use what you've just heard? And so, you know, to those of you listening, watching this episode, thank you for listening and watching and let me know. How can you use something that you've learned? What big action item or takeaway do you have uh, so that you can actually get the results from listening to this episode? Uh, with that, I'm Roy Furr, this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and I want to thank you for, uh, for tuning in for another episode, and I'll see you next time.